I'm Woody Huffines, and this is the Owner's Voyage Podcast, a journey to business ownership. In this podcast, we'll talk about how to make that journey more fun, more rewarding, hopefully more profitable, as well as tips for staying away from potholes, dead ends, traps, and washed out bridges. We'll hope you join us. Welcome to episode 21, the fifth discipline. Yesterday, we talked about the mental models that you use to understand the world around you and make decisions. And there's a book, and if you're a small business owner, I could not recommend more highly that you read and read deeply and read frequently. Mark Twain said that a man who doesn't read has no advantage over one who can't. There's always something to learn in a small business, whether it's marketing or strategy or business processes or, well, the list is just endless. How do you approach that information? How do you continue to gather that information? How do you continue to grow? There was a book that was written, I believe, in 1990. The first edition was probably 1990, and it's called The Fifth Discipline. And it's written by Peter Singe, who's from MIT, Sloan School of Business. And he's made his career for the last several years doing this, and he's, there have been several follow-on books to The Fifth Discipline. And I read this book a long time ago, but I keep coming back to it and using it because it has some of the best mental modeling that I have ever encountered. Now, to be honest, the book caught me right up front. In the Second World War, my grandfather was an inspector at Douglas Aircraft, and they were making the C-47. The C-47 was the military version of the DC-3. The DC-3 came out in 1935, and it was the first airplane that was economical. It was the first airplane that was sustainably economical for businesses to use. There are still DC-3s flying today. If you go up into Alaska, a lot of the cargo planes that are running around in Alaska are DC-3s. These airplanes were built during the Second World War. And the reason that that airplane was so economically successful and remains so is that there were five critical or key components that made up that airplane that when those five components came together, it made for an economical model. The first one was a variable-pitched propeller. Now, a variable-pitched propeller means that you have a power setting on the engine, and the engine is turning in its best power band all the time. And if you need more thrust or less thrust, you vary the pitch of the propeller instead of varying the engine setting. That allows the engine to operate most efficiently at all times and that you can then change the pitch of the propeller to get the power or the thrust that you need. It's a matter of economics. The engine is running efficiently. The next thing that the DC-3 had was retractable landing gear. Landing gear creates drag. And when you have big wheels hanging down underneath the airplane, it takes more power to push it through the air. So retractable landing gear gives you a faster cleaner airplane that moves through the air more efficiently so retractable landing gear the next thing that the dc-3 had was what's called a monocoque airframe now a monocoque airframe means that the actual skin of the aircraft is a structural component to the aircraft in the old days from the wright brothers up to where the monocoque airframe became something that was uh, common the way you built an airplane is that you built the structure of the airplane and then covered it with a skin that was the actual aerodynamic piece. So you'd have a wooden frame in the old days and in newer times a metal frame. And that frame 
was the structural integrity of the airplane, and then you'd stretch fabric over it so the wind wouldn't blow through it. Well, that means that you spent a great deal of weight on the airplane in the framing and construction of it. The fabric or the covering of the airplane didn't add anything to the structural integrity of the airplane. The monocoque airframe means that the frame of the airplane and the skin on the outside of the airplane work together for structural integrity so that you don't have a lot more weight that you have if you have a separate frame and a separate skin. The next thing that the DC-3 had was a radial engine. The radial engines, radial engines, a big air-cooled engine. They're they're very efficient and very lightweight compared to an inline engine, and that's one of the and that's one of the things that the DC-3 had that was a critical component to its economics. And last, it had wing flaps, which changes the lift aspect of the wing at slow speed or in landing configurations and takeoff configurations. Now, there were lots of airplanes up until 1935 that might have had three of these key components or might have had four of these key components the dc3 peter singe argues was the first to have all five and that's why it was so successful and remains successful today so even reading the intro to the book i'm already hooked in because i've been talking about c-47s and dc-3s since i was a little kid because my granddad was an inspector on them so i knew a lot about the airplane so the so the book kind of hooked me in before i got started well peter singe took that as an example and he talked about how technologies gather together until they become viable or if you do research on technologies how those technologies come together to create a viability for the for a, a, a specific task well Peter Singe came up with that organizations have the same thing. There are a number of processes that work together in an organization to make it an effective organization. That there are common problems in organizations and that a model, if you put together the right model, will help you overcome those problems. And he lists 11. And before we get into the actual disciplines that the fifth discipline talks about or the five key components to a good organization, we'll talk about the problems that are common to all organizations. The first one is that today's problems come from yesterday's solutions. How often do you have a solution that you apply to a problem in your life? It could be in your relationships. It could be with your front yard or how you manage your swimming pool or a whole bunch of things but today's problems were the solutions from yesterday for example if your sales are down and you develop a rebate program and so you get a rebate program and then what you've done is train your customers to expect lower prices so you never can get back up to the higher prices because you've trained them so today's problem with revenue sprung from yesterday's solution to rebates to stimulate revenue The second reality of organizations is that the harder you push on the system, the harder the system pushes back. If you step in to solve problems, for example, and do something that doesn't work within the system, the system will push back. Think about it this way. If a mom always steps in and solves the problems for her kids, the kids don't learn to work out the problems. And since the kids don't learn to work out the problems, the mom has to step in to solve the problems more and more often. Whereas if you step back and let the problems or the kids work themselves out, you might get more leverage on getting a solution. So the harder you push on a system, the harder you try to make a system do something, the harder that system is going to push back. The third issue is that behavior always grows better before it grows worse. And it's eventually it's the key here. 
if you really push on something and you really push on a system, it looks like it's getting better in the short term. But in the long term, what you've done, if you don't understand the entire system, when that system starts pushing back, the behavior is going to grow worse in the long term. Next, the easy way out usually leads right back in. If it's an easy solution, it's probably been tried before. And if it's been tried before and the problem still exists, then it wasn't a solution to the problem. That easy way out inevitably leads back to where you were before you had that solution. Next is the cure can be worse than the disease. How often, even in your own life, have you decided, I need to cure this problem? You know, I'm going to have, I'm going to start exercising. And you start exercising, and you exercise more and more because you want to lose weight, but you find out that the more you exercise, the hungrier you are, so you eat more because you're exercising more, and you don't lose weight, you actually gain weight because you're exercising more. So the cure can cause the disease if you don't understand the process. The next thing that you need to know about organizations is that faster is slower. A little knowledge is a dangerous thing. If you try to fix something that's taken a long time to get sideways in a fast way, you may not understand the complexity. And if you take some time and do it slower, the results that you get might come faster. Cause and effect are not related or closely related in time and space. Think about setting your bath water and you turn the hot water on and it's too hot so you turn the hot cold water up you put your hand under and then it's too cold and then you turn the hot and hot and cold hot and cold it takes a while before you get a little bit older and you understand that it takes a minute for the setting to take effect that the cause you changing the setting on the faucet and the effect of getting the bath temperature that you want are not closely related they're not instantaneous next small changes can produce results and the areas of highest leverage to change results are often not obvious. For example, if you think about turning a big ship, you got a tanker running through the sea, and you think, how do you want to turn it? Well, at first blush, you might think you push on the bow to push it in the direction that you want it to go. But it would take a lot of pressure to change the direction of an oil tanker by pushing on the bow. On the bow. Well, what you find is that if you push on the stern it's a lot easier to change the direction of the ship it's a point of leverage and understanding the points of leverage is an important component to solving problems in organizations or improving an organization the next thing that peter singy found is that you can have your cake and eat it too but not all at once if you want increased quality you can get increased quality, and increased quality can lead to higher profits. But you can't have increased quality and higher profits immediately. You have to increase the quality and wait for the profits to get higher from the increased quality. So you can have your cake and eat it too. You just can't, can't have it all at once. The next thing you need to understand about solving problems in business is dividing an elephant in half doesn't give you two elephants. In other words, we've all heard the Sufi story about the, the blind men and the elephant, and the blind men are feeling of the elephant, and one is feeling of the trunk, and he says that the nature of an elephant is like a snake, and one is feeling of a leg, and he says the nature of an elephant is like a pillar, and one is feeling of the side of the elephant, and he says the nature of an elephant is like a wall. They aren't looking at the whole picture. So when you have a problem, if you divide that problem up, you might end up with two separate problems instead of 
fixing the problem that you're after. You can't divide an elephant and get two elephants. And finally, the most important point is usually it's the process that's the blame. Usually. If the process is wrong, it doesn't matter how hard the people are working, how interested the people are, how good the people are. They can't take a bad process and give you good results. And the longer you spend blaming the people and the less time you spend examining the process, you're going to go through a lot of people before you find a good process. Organizations are made up of people, processes, and systems. And it doesn't matter how good the people are, if the processes and systems are incorrect, you can't get it to work. On the other hand, if you have good processes and good systems, then training the people to use them is really easy. I'm Woody Huffines. This is the Owner's Voyage Podcast, Journey to Business Ownership. We'll talk more about the fifth discipline in the next couple of days. 